Today, we're gonna to talk to two sellers who have sold millions of dollars on Amazon from opposite sides of the world, and they're gonna share with us their journeys and strategies that have helped them along the way. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. How can you get more buyers to leave you Amazon product reviews? By following up with them in a way that's compliant with Amazon Terms of Service. You can use Helium 10 follow-up in order to automatically send out Amazon's request a review emails to any customers you want. Not just that, but you can specify when they get the message and even filter out people that you don't want to get that message, such as people who have asked for refunds or maybe ones that you gave discounts to. For more information, visit h10.me forward slash follow up. You can sign up for a free account or you can sign up for a platinum plan and get 10% off for life by using the discount code SSP10. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Series Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And we've got a couple of people here that, um, I don't know, I don't think I've ever, have I ever met either of you guys uh, in person before? Uh, I've met you in person at um, okay. the AMZ One Step Conference in Canada. Oh, yes, yes, that uh, one, uh-huh. Yes, yes. But but uh, j- what about you, Jansen? Have I met you uh, no, no, at, it, in person? It, it, just a dream to meet you, Bradley. I've, um, I think I've interacted with you in the Helium 10 group, but we've okay. never met. That's the uh, the problem with being based in in the UK. No, 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 no worries. Like the, well, the world's opening up now, but but what happens is, you know, I, I meet I meet so many people that, and I love doing it. But with my bad memory, sometimes I'll have like ah, I've never met this person. Oh no, no, we we you know we, <laughs> we've, we've met seventeen times at different conferences. I'm like, oh, whoops, my bad. But uh, but the the point is that you know whether we've met or not, like we're all in this e-commerce space together, and um, it's just really cool to get different different perspectives now you two have you ever like interacted before personally um no online or in person it's um we haven't it's really weird isn't it you don't think that the amazon fba kind of world is is that big i've been you know selling and doing youtube videos for four years now but i think kevin's been around a fair amount of time as well but i've never interacted the algorithms never show me his videos i love it so yeah it's, it's great to meet you this yeah, is another, you know, this is well. another kind of like trying uh, another thing I try and do a little bit differently in the podcast, where I, I bring people from literally opposite sides uh, of the world who have never met, and and we're all together here, all three of us now on, on the same podcast because we're all in this, you know, e-commerce space, and, and there's something that we can learn from from all of us. So let's go ahead and since this is the first time that either of you have been introduced to uh, our audience as a whole, let's just get a little a little background. Let's start with uh, you, Jansen. Where where are you located? You know, where are you from? And tell us about how you. Uh, you know, got into e-commerce? Yeah, so um, my name is Jansen. I'm based in London in the UK, so uh, British. I first um, kind of came across Amazon FBA late 2017. Uh, My background's kind of finance and banking. And at that time, I was going through a lot of stress, anxiety from work, and I was just desperate to seek some sort of, you know, second income stream to kind of relieve me of that. Bitcoin at the time was supercharging to 20K, which ironically, it's back towards now. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I was kind of looking at that, looking at bot trading and anything to do with that. And then Amazon FBA just came up on YouTube. And 
I've always been a bit of a entrepreneur, wheeler dealer. You know, at school, I was always the kid to be selling candy and and all sorts. So I thought this looks really attractive, and yeah, basically ever since then, started learning it, started selling, and I've just grown and grown. So I started selling in late 2018. And, in in yeah. Europe or in America? Yeah, well, I, I initially started in you in just the UK. Okay. Then I expanded out towards Europe. Then good old Brexit happened, which you guys know about. And I kind of thought, you know, there was a lot more um, admin issues raised because of that. I wasn't that good at French, Spanish and German, even though I had learned a bit at school, but just not enough to kind of make it worth that additional effort. So I exited from Europe. I now do just the UK. Um, and, that, you know, and that's where uh, you just lot- started too. And you, you, you started with the UK. Yeah, and then- yeah, yeah. Uh, did, yeah. When you got started, where, did you go right into private label? Did you do any arbitrage or drop shipping, or you just like started with a private label product from from day I one? I just went, yeah, I just went straight in there. I thought um, for me, private label was the most scalable and something that would kind of require the least amount of time once I was, um, you know, established. Whereas I thought with arbitrage, you're always hunting for deals, and you know, got I suppose to. You hire still selling that first product? I am, yeah. I've still got my Very same nice. um, first product, and I've expanded to to two different products now. So that, that's not, hey um, guys. I hope you're listening out there. That's not that's not always a common. You know, that's what five years mm-hmm. ago, right? Yeah, to be still absolutely. selling the same first product. You know, a lot of people they they start, and I don't want people thinking, hey, they're going to knock it out of the park on their first on the first product. A lot of people ask that same question too, like, oh no, you know, that was kind of a failure by use as a learning experience. Here we go. Uh, Jansen yeah, got off on yeah. the right foot, still selling that same <laughs> first product. Impressive. Absolutely. And, you know, it's um, it's certainly not been an easy ride to, to get to where I am today. And that was, you know, something that I thought would be really interesting to uh, to your listeners today to to hear about some of the stuff that I've, I've been through, you know, in terms of the lows. But, um, yeah, it's been such an enjoyable experience. I've got like 20 products now under two different brands just in the UK. I am really keen to, to try out the US, but, you know, cash flow is, is so stretched um, you know, doing like $180,000 a month revenues um, just in the UK. So whenever Amazon pays me, that's going straight out the door to my supplier. Um, so I've just kind of mm-hmm. not really had the opportunity um, or, or the cash flow to be able to expand further. But, you know, the, the market's um, big enough in the UK, I feel, for, for my particular niche. So, okay. yeah, maybe when I uh, get to be a, a bigger fish, I'll, I'll come over to, to you guys and, yeah, I'll come over to... California, where you're based, and and, and hopefully yeah. meet you. All right, all right. How about uh, you, Kevin? Like, where <laughs> where where's your origin uh, story uh, start? Yeah, so uh, my name is Kevin Pack, and I am also based out in California as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been selling for the last four years or so. I think I actually started at the same time as Jensen, around like 2018, late 2018. Um, and uh, yeah, so before Amazon FBA, I was a personal trainer, so fitness was a big part of my background doing that for years uh, but I soon came to realize that I could not stand personal training people for the next 30 40 years of my life and I was like yeah these these bones are gonna start aching so um, I needed to find an exit plan out and uh, that's where I just came across Amazon by just literally just like Google searching how to make money online and uh, Amazon was one of those things that came up and you know there's other things like real estate and uh, like Shopify dropshipping as well uh, but Amazon just made a lot of sense. You know, I shop on Amazon all the time. It only made sense that I just why not put my product in front of there as well. So yeah, so I've been selling for the last four, four or five years or so. And uh, I actually, like Jensen, I actually still I'm still selling my uh, 
first success, first successful product. Uh, that's been running around for about like three years or so, something like that. Um, so yeah, that's where I've been at. And, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure and, and a crazy, crazy journey for sure on the road. A lot of ups and downs as well, especially during like the COVID time as well. Um, we're picking up the pieces back from where that all left off. And, uh, yeah. Now, now you, um, are you only selling the U S or have you expanded, you know, are you doing any other marketplaces, you know, like Canada or Europe or anything like that? Yeah, currently I'm just in the U.S. market as well. I'm just going to focus on honing in on that one. Um, currently don't have any plans to go into like Canada, Mexico, or the U.K. at the moment. Okay. All right. Now, going back to uh, Jansen here, you know, we have a lot of um, listeners that, that are based uh, in the U.K. Now, what's the what's the process like? You know, is, is it easier now after Brexit where it's like, hey, you're not having to worry about uh, having about 17,000 different VATs, you know, for each country is like all you have to worry about is your 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 UK account and your inventory all goes to one warehouse or, or how does it even work? What, what's the what's it yeah, like for so, a UK based seller selling only in the UK? Yeah. So if, if you're a UK based seller selling in the UK, then pretty much the, the process is unchanged. The only slight difference is historically if your supplier was based in China, they'd send goods via, I don't know, UPS if by air or, or by sea. And it would go through customs clearance in like a central hub in Germany, which is massive. And then mm -hmm. it would clear customs. And then because UK was part of the European Union, it, it you know it would be pretty much next day delivery. Okay. Um, now, because we're not part of the EU, you have to send goods and they clear in the UK. The customs hub there is a lot smaller. So... The, the wait time for, for clearing of customs is a little longer. It's probably like a week or so. Um, but in terms of other differences, it's it's negligible. Um, the only kind of difference now is if you do want to sell in Europe, then it's a little bit trickier. So before, you could have your goods stored in the UK with Amazon. And if a, you know, a Spanish customer, French customer, whatever, bought something from you, then Amazon would just ship the goods from the UK warehouse to the customer in Europe and they wouldn't need to pay taxes or duties, right? Whereas now, because we're not in the EU, if a customer wants to do that, they're technically importing from you know, a foreign country that's not part of the same customs agreement, so they'd have to pay additional duties and taxes. So it's more expensive for them. Um, I guess you guys would have it the same in the US if you import from Canada, maybe. I don't know mm -hmm. if, if you would pay duties yeah. or, or whatnot. So there's that. And then um, Amazon runs a program called the Pan-European Program, yep. where yeah. um, before Brexit, you'd have goods you know, uh, brought over to the UK and they would automatic, uh, Amazon would automatically distribute those goods throughout Europe for you. They paused that program for about a year and a half when Brexit happened. I think they just reinstated it. But it's a lot tricky now. I think people, what they're doing, more experienced sellers, um, are just shipping straight to a German warehouse or a French warehouse and then letting Amazon distribute that way, as opposed to the easier option, which was shipping to a UK warehouse and then Amazon you know, can do it all for you. You, you can't really do that now. Um, but for those of us just looking to sell purely in the UK, you know, it's it's not really that different. And it's, it's still really attractive. The UK is, is one of the biggest markets in Europe for Amazon. Mm -hmm. You've got Germany, which is growing at a huge, huge yeah. rate. But Spain, Italy, France, they're still, you know, pretty young in the in the life cycle. And then Amazon's also introduced Turkey, Sweden. Like they do more and more countries every month. But those markets are so 
so small compared to the UK. So I don't see it at the moment as you know a great disadvantage to just selling in the UK versus you okay. know, other. Now, mm-hmm. now this next question is is kind of related, but I'm not sure if you know the answer to it. But I'm just curious. You know, you uh, as a you know a British citizen selling in the UK, me. Uh, uh, American citizen, let's say I want to sell in the UK, do, do either of us have have advantage or disadvantage? Like, am I paying the same exact taxes as you, or are you paying more because you're uh, local, or am I paying more as a foreigner? I'm just curious um, how, uh, how that works, if you know. Yeah, so you would have an immediate disadvantage versus a brand new seller, because if you are you got a US LLC, so US okay. company, versus a UK seller, you immediately need to register for VAT in the UK, which is like mm-hmm. your sales tax, except it's 20% here. So brand new sellers here that are under the VAT threshold have don't have to charge that 20% like sales tax, whereas you do. So your margins are going to be a little bit thinner. And that was something that the Chinese sellers historically avoided because they would under-declare the value of their goods when importing and they just wouldn't be paying that sales tax to you know our government effectively so what amazon did last year is they changed the rules where they said now any foreign seller that sells on our platform within the uk we are going to deduct 20 percent from your sales price so you know taking that off and basically collecting that tax on the, the tax collector's behalf so that's kind of a, a you know disadvantage that you'd have. You, you're immediately having to have that sales tax incorporated in your revenue price. So, which, so, so the price that's listed on the detail page, the retail price, yeah, yeah. that's showing that's including that extra. Like I set a price in Seller Central, but yeah. then Amazon is adding me as a foreign seller. Amazon is adding twenty percent no, no, to no, that. They deduct. They deduct. So in in the US, Mm -hmm. when you see a sales price, you have to, in your head, add the sales tax. Am I right with that? Well, like for a lot of the the states, we have something called marketplace facility, almost all the states now, if not all, have something called marketplace facilitator tax, where there's, you know, the retail price is the retail price, but then Amazon is adding on tax in the, in the, in the checkout portion. But like that doesn't, that doesn't affect the seller at all. Like Amazon's collecting that they're, they're submitting that. But I'm just, what I'm curious about is the detail page before the, the, the checkout process, how does it work? In the it's UK, the exact like, same. It's the same for the customer. So the customer okay. goes on the detail page, sees twenty pounds. Yeah, that's how much they pay. But that twenty pounds includes the sales tax, effectively. So these foreign sellers, such as you, if you wanted yeah. to sell in the UK, would have you know two pounds, three pounds deducted from what goes in your balance, okay. right? Because that's the sales tax that they collect. So that's the disadvantage you get, and then. Beyond, so beyond that, pass on to the customer. No, it doesn't. I mean, it, they basically just say you, the price that you want to charge includes sales tax already. Mm. Um, so, whereas if you're a brand new seller, a brand new company in the UK, and you're based in the UK, you only have to register for this VAT when you hit eighty-five thousand pounds in revenues. So for a brand new seller looking to get started, that has a huge advantage versus sure. the international guys. Okay, interesting. All right, um, wow. you know, Kevin, you, you you've been you've been selling for a while. I, I'd like to know about your biggest win and biggest loss. Now, now the win 
could have been planned, like, hey, you, you had this strategy of some influencer marketing campaign and it worked exactly as you thought, or it could have been just completely random how you had something go viral. Um, say, same thing on the loss, you know, like uh, w yeah. what, what's the biggest L you've taken in the last four years and, and you know, what sellers can learn from from the biggest, well, let's, start, let's start with the good news first. So, so okay. what's like you think in the last news. four years, like the most incredible thing that either on purpose or randomly happened to you in your Amazon business? Um, the most, the best thing that ever happened to me on Amazon was when I prepared just enough inventory for Q4. Um, and Q4, so I, I sell in the toys category. So like, okay. that's a huge time for my product line, right? Um, and sometimes like predicting inventory, you have to predict your inventory back in August, right? That's, that's when you need to know like how much you want to send into it. So you have it on time. So predicting the, that month or uh, just predicting Q4 inventory for me and just hitting it right was huge for me because that allowed me to have enough inventory to keep up with all the demand and allowed me to hit a record month of like, uh, I, think, I think I did like 206,000 uh, during December. And mm -hmm. so that was like my best month ever, but it only happened because I ordered just enough inventory for that. And like, I literally sold out like on like January 1st and then I was out of stock for maybe was it random or what did you base what did you base it on were you looking at what your I, competitors were doing or, or how, how, how did you land on that such a good number I, yeah so I projected it based off of um, the previous year's number looking at my competitors okay. as well and then how I was doing currently for the year and then just kind of multiplying it from my previous experience but then because um, I kind of predicted because of the whole pandemic circumstances that the, the um, and there's more customers on Amazon. Uh, I just just a little bit more than what I usually would have done. Um, so in my just uh, inventory management planning is I feel like has been like my biggest win um, in the last four years is just doing that um, pretty consistently, um, and then also utilizing my cash flow pretty properly. Uh, yeah, so that's probably my okay. biggest wins. Um, and then what's biggest, like the biggest hit you've taken on something? The biggest hit. I tried a seasonal product. So I tried a product that was like a, like a Valentine's product and I totally missed like the, the manufacturing process of it took way longer than I was supposed to. And I ended up missing like the, the time I should have gotten inventory in. So like, um, I was supposed to get inventory in, uh, this is a Valentine's product. And I was like, you know what? I wanted to try a seasonal product. Um, and it was like a trendy product. And then I saw it. Um, I thought it was supposed to come in and have my inventory in by like January 10th. But what ended up happening is I didn't end up getting my inventory until February 10th. And so that you only got like four days of until Valentine's left at that point. I just had like, there was, it was too late for that point. So yeah. So poor timing for sure on, um, on the so then what happened? part. What happened what was, you do um, how many units was that? Well, I think I ordered like a thousand units for that product. And okay. it, but it wasn't like it wasn't very expensive either. It was only like a dollar, okay. two dollars a piece. So, so, so then, did you like leave it at Amazon? Did you pull it out to a a warehouse and and saving it for the the, the following year? Or what happened to all that stuff? Um, it's currently still sitting there, to be honest. In Amazon, so it's still yeah, it's still sitting in Amazon actually. So I haven't fully decided what to do on it just yet because it's it still sells a little bit, um, but it's not like a huge velocity like if it was like. Um, during uh, Valentine's Day, so it's it's one of those like um, like anniversary type of gifts. So it's like technically you could sell it throughout the year type of thing, but it would have hit really well during uh, mm -hmm. Valentine's. So yeah, with the factory, they just took a lot longer than they uh, they expected it to be. 
Um, yeah, yeah. And then the shipping was still kind of, um, it was still on the fence there. The shipping hadn't fully recovered just yet. We were still getting delays of like um, an extra like 10 days or so. So these things add up, like each, each of these days add up over time. And so um, I didn't predict well enough for that. And that's what happened. So, uh, you know, like I, I think a lot of people were in the same boat, you know, the last year, mm-hmm. the shipping delays and 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 port shutdowns and and manufacturing delays, you know, has, has caused mm-hmm. a lot of people to to have issues. That's just something important to know that, you know, you know, there are some products. It's not that big of a deal, you know, but but if you guys are doing a seasonal product, you know, you might want to give yourself, uh, you know, a couple months extra, extra, extra leeway on things to make sure something like that doesn't happen. Now, have you. um launched any new products like in the last i don't know like eight nine months you know since the changes uh kevin in like hey now now you can't do search find buy and two-step urls and things like that um so and if so in the last eight nine months like what's your strategy these days on how you're getting the the initial you know kind of momentum for new products that you launch so that um that seasonal product was the most recent one i've launched so far so okay. i haven't launched any new ones but i do have two products so did you do i mean do you just kind of like not even give any effort since you know you miss valentine's or did you still try and do a oh, little something try. extra be it yeah. ppc or, or something like that yeah i still tried a little bit so um i was pretty conservative with it uh mm-hmm. i knew that because it was basically technically out of season i couldn't go super aggressive otherwise i was just gonna burn through like ppc um, so what I did was just, I kept my campaigns pretty conservative. So I just had like, uh, a few manual exact campaigns, a few, um, or just an automatic campaign as well. And I kind of just put low budgets on that and kind of just tried to let this run out, like sell in the background over time type of thing. And I also use the, the vine program actually is pretty good. So, uh, I like using the vine program as well to get initial early reviews as well. Um, and if you guys don't know what the Vine program is, basically you enroll your products in and these customers on Amazon get these products for free and they basically present a very honest review and they have like their own little badge on when they leave a review on Amazon. Now, what about you, Jansen? What, what's your, have you launched any products like in the last eight months or so? And what's, yeah, uh, yeah. regardless, what, what, what's your, what's your strategy that you're yeah. promoting? So, um, yeah, I've, I've launched uh, a number of products over the past few months and I've kind of been testing different strategies i actually just launched one last week with no reviews i was just quite interested to to see what the performance would be like so i started off um with setting up pay-per-click campaigns so i've done an exact targeting campaign and a phrase campaign which i just basically got from running cerebro on competitor listings and, and mm-hmm. looking at the keywords that they were ranking for and which which had volume so i've done that i always put a coupon on I find that if you launch at the same price uh, as a competitor, um, adding a coupon on, which in in the UK gives you like a little orange badge. I I don't know if it's the same color in the US, but it's really eye-catching. So I do that. And um, yeah, I basically just keep increasing the PPC budgets day by day, um, keeping an eye on how the rank position is doing with, you know, rank checker. And yeah, I I find that works pretty well, really. Um, I you know, when I'm doing my product research and when I'm trying to understand the niche, I always make sure that my hero image, so my main image, looks a little different to everybody else's. So you've got the eye-catching aspect there. Um, something else that I always, always do, and this definitely would work for you guys in the US, is throughout my listing, I just absolutely hammer it that I'm a UK brand. 
and you know one of my bullets i say we're a uk brand that is passionate about and then i talk about my niche and i say um We'd, we'd love it if you were to support us, et cetera, et cetera. And that really, really works for me. I get reviews so frequently that say, really happy to you know, support a UK company. That's the reason I chose this and so on. So little things like that, the coupon, the mentioning the UK brand, having a better picture and so on, that kind of all adds to the conversion level that you can get. And you know, obviously that's really important during those initial few weeks of your honeymoon period when, when you're launching. Yeah, I mean, in general, you know, like you have to be always obviously very careful about reviews. But in general, like even some of the the services that used to do search find buy, they've kind of like uh, pivoted towards kind of like not necessarily review groups, but it, it's getting feedback, you know, not even necessarily on Amazon. But, you know, like I've talked about AZ rank, how they used to do search find buy. But, you know, they have, ten, you know, tens of thousands of customers. But now instead of trying to get them to do, you know, two step URLs and things, uh, we use a service to to have them buy the product and then go through the flow and give you know real feedback to us and and, and this is something yeah you, you could do with um you know people in your network where it's not even necessarily about reviews but now if they want to leave a review on their own that's up to them but but you I've always preached that hey you know stop you know stop thinking that you yourself know a hundred percent the best. Uh, of what your product needs and what's the best, you know, value points and what what are the positives and negatives. You know, uh, nine times out of ten, you 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 have you know five, six, seven people get your product. They're gonna give you insight on things that you probably didn't even consider. So so it is a, a kind of good thing yeah. to get that initial initial thing. And yes, you know, sometimes you know people are afraid that hey, you know, maybe if I'm using my own Facebook friends or 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 just people in my network or people who have been on my Wi-Fi, maybe Amazon will know. So, you know, you can ask friends of friends, but to get that initial feedback uh, is really important. So that's good that you guys are are doing that in, in different ways. Now, um, are, are you, uh, Jens, are you manufacturing everything in, in China uh, for your products? Yep. So how has yeah. that been? You know, obviously for Americans, uh, it's, or Americans, for, for, for people selling Amazon USA, I should say, regardless if you're American or not, um, mm. you know, it, we've gone from, you know, like maybe you know, two years ago, it would take like four four weeks to get stuff here to, to sometimes two three months. It has it been similar situation over the last year in the UK where 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 shipping times, uh, shipping cost and time have both doubled or more. Yeah, it's the the past few years has been really really testing actually um, when it comes to being an Amazon seller, and it's a, a lot of that is due to shipping costs. So and just shipping transit times. So the costs themselves have increased or historically did increase huge amounts. They've actually started to come down now, um, but I was paying per unit by sea mm-hmm. around fifteen cent. Um, that's increased to about. 50 cent per unit at the height of the pandemic and now it's probably on average about 40 or 35 when when you work mm. it out um so yeah the costs have increased a huge amount i'm actually pretty lucky because my product is well, my products are all really small but i know tons of people that have had you know larger bulkier products that have just had to stop selling them because they just yeah. became un- uneconomical um i don't know if this hit the news over in the us it probably did but you heard about the huge um uh, what's it ever something ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal yes yes um, mm-hmm. yeah so that obviously kind of added fuel to the fire massive uh, in- increased delays because of that and every time a delay or something happens or something you know disrupts the shipping transit times it, it you know pushes costs up makes delays even worse for a number of months so 
I don't know, touch wood, things are actually going okay at the moment in the in the sea shipping world. It takes it's probably taking about four or five weeks, um, you know, to for for the ship to to pour. We don't have the the Matson liner that I think you guys do, which is like a, an mm-hmm. express line. Ours mm-hmm. is just really slow boat. Um, but yeah, I was actually looking at my lead times today, and it's, it's around sixty days um, in total wow. from the moment I order it yeah. to, the, wow. to the moment it, it comes in. So that's why um, it can be a real challenge with with cash flow and with planning because you're having to pay your supplier up front, um, and then you're not actually going to be seeing revenues from those products for you know could be two or three months. So you have to be really careful um, with your planning and and what type of product you buy. Um, like I said, my product's quite small, so I have got the flexibility of getting air shipping if if needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just you know, in in summary, it has been a real struggle. But I, you know, I'm confident if you've made it through this period, think how much money you're going to make when things do truly normalise and you know mm-hmm. shipping costs come down to what they were. For the rest of the episode, I want to do what, what we we call the the TST thirty second tips. You know, it doesn't have to be exactly thirty second, but I want to. I want to see, you know, I like focusing on strategy too, and you guys are both successful sellers. And so um, I want to hear like what your unique 30 second tip might be that, and it's something, it's not like, okay, hey, uh, I try and keep my A cost down or, or something no brainer. I want some kind of unique stuff here where where it doesn't have to be something that only you do. You think you're the only person in the world doing it, but but something, you know, what, what are some of the strategies that have helped you that you think, uh, you know, other people can implement? It's something that, you know, not 90% of people already know how to do. Let, let, let's start with Kevin. We'll just go like one one back and forth uh, between you two here. For sure. Yeah. So one tip that I have, because um, a lot of people wonder, like, how do you, you know, we talk about differentiating a lot, right? But people don't know what that means. Like, what do you mean differentiate? What could I do to differentiate? Mm-hmm. So I kind of narrowed it down to five points of differentiating that uh, people can always kind of rely on. Uh, one of them is bundling. The next one would be aesthetics. The next one would be quantity. Um, and then the next would be uh, functionality and then okay. quality. So these are five things that I always kind of revert to when I always want to think about like, how do I differentiate a product? Can they match any of these five or ideally, I mean, all of them. Well, what's your criteria on the bundling? You know, I, I like that. And there's different ways to do it. You know, there's not just one way. So are you like one of the ones who like, you know, maybe looks at uh, existing single product and then you notice that there's always frequently bought together about another one or you kind of come up with some new ideas or how do you decide what to bundle together for a new product? Yeah. So um, when I see like frequently bought together of the same item, I feel like that's more of a quantity type of differentiation. So like five mm-hmm. packs, 10 packs, et cetera. Uh, when it comes to bundling, I like to think of it as um, is, is there anything frequently bought together that's different complementary items? I also like to look into the reviews and see if people wish it came, comes with something else. Uh-huh, and I also uh-huh. like to think outside of the box as well and seeing like what is the niche as a whole and what kind of people are going to be buying this product is it is it going to be like a mom is it going to be like a dad what kind of person is going to buy this product and what would yeah. they additionally like to add on to this offer this product offer it doesn't make sense obviously it can't be random uh it needs to make sense um and i think sometimes <laughs> people will uh take bundling as a double-edged sword because sometimes it'll be like you bundle the right thing and people want it but then if you bundle the wrong thing then people are like i don't want to pay extra for something i don't want or sure. need. it's like you know so those are some tips I have about bundling as well. Okay, let's go, Jan. Uh, Jan what, what's your first uh, thirty-second tip of the day? 
Um, yeah, so I guess it kind of furthers onto Kevin's point about differentiation. You know, a lot of people out there say, yeah, you've got to differentiate somehow, but one of the hardest parts of doing that is just figuring how. So a method that I kind of started doing immediately and has worked really well for me over the past few years with, with finding new products is, is getting suppliers to help you with your product research. So what I'll do, for example, is if I'm doing, you know, just looking for a product idea, I'll start with, say, Helium 10 or just browsing on Amazon. If I then find a product that I think looks good, it's got demand, it seems profitable, rather than just approaching suppliers and saying how much for you know this product and, and mm-hmm. finding something that looks identical to what is already available, I'll always say to them, do you have a newer model version of this product or can you send me you know, your sales catalog so I can see the other models that you have. Okay. And that's actually something that I did with um, one of the latest products that I launched this year. I saw that everything on Amazon looked the same. It was all the same model. It was the same supplier. And I just said to them, do you have an updated version of this or are you working on any- anything else? And they said, yeah, we've got something coming out. It's going to be ready in the next six weeks. So I said, can you just send me the sample ASAP? And they said, we can actually send you it now, but it's just not you know, finalized. So they did. So because of that, I got straight to the front of the queue before anybody else. I then launched that product in January. So I've had like, you know, nearly, nearly six months now of, of having that product before anybody else. It's nice. honestly it's only this week that other people are now starting to come to market with, you know, a, a similar looking product. I've already got over 150 reviews and, you know, it's mm-hmm. doing really, really well. And it's all because I kind of took that initial step of thinking ahead yep. and saying, rather than just, you know, going for what everybody else is is getting and trying to differentiate by like bundling or having a better listing, of course, those are important. I thought, do something that looks different because the customer will immediately notice that and it will it'll step out. So that is my key tip. I, you know, love sharing that one because... Um, okay something that anybody can do. All right. Uh, Back to Kevin for uh, one more tip from you. Um, Okay. Another good tip I have is um, when it comes to like pay-per-click advertising, I think a lot of people overcomplicate the concept of it. Um, And people sometimes feel overwhelmed when it comes like optimizing their PPC. So one thing I always tell people is, is keep it simple. And at the end of the day, um, if you're struggling, if you're feeling overwhelmed with your PPC advertising campaign, just always remember that you're always going to put money, more money to what's working and less money to what's not working. So that way you can kind of distinguish, you know, more like, okay, if this is clearly a high A cost, I shouldn't just sit there and just leave it there. I know that it's a high A cost. So let me bring down the bidding for that or something like that. Right. And I feel like people mm-hmm. get into like a, uh, uh, an analysis paralysis type deal with PPC sometimes. So when you kind of break it down simply, just remember that you're always putting more money to what's working and then less money to what's not working. It kind of simplifies things and, and really at the end of the day is allows you to take further action instead of just um, letting your PPC just kind of like do its thing. All right. The, the, the kiss method, keep it simple, stupid uh, mm-hmm. out there is what we should be doing for PPC. I like it. All right. Um, Jansen, one more tip from you. Um, so mine would be um, try your best to connect with the customer and help them to resonate with with your brand. So I, I was speaking earlier about making a big point on your listing about the fact that you're a US or a UK based brand. One other thing that that I also do as well, and um, my wife kindly volunteered for it, is I just had a I have a photo of her on my listing holding the product, saying. Hello, my name is Steph. I'm the founder of this brand. It was created because 
you know, there were so many problems with the existing ones on the market. I'm incredibly passionate. And if you love doing X, Y, Z, then you'll love my product. And that really works. And I kind of bring that all together in my images. So she's in my images as well as in the kind of A plus content. And within my follow-up sequence that I have, you know, I sign it off. I say, hi, it's Steph here. I'm the founder of, you know, this brand that you've purchased. Just emailing to say thank you so much. It means a lot. Thank you for supporting my business. And then, you know, please leave a review or whatnot. Doing all that together, it really, really works. And like like I said, I do get a lot of people reaching out and saying, um, that first of all, they say, wow, you're a genius for inventing this product because they don't understand what private labeling is. So I'm, I'm happy to take the credit there. But, you know, they say um, I'm really happy to support a British business. Um, I love the personal touch. No one else gives that. It really surprises me, actually. I get emails from people saying this is the first time mm. I've ever had a seller reach out to me following a purchase. And, you know, I guess to those of you, uh, those of us that follow Helium 10 and, and whoever on YouTube, doing follow-up sequence is kind of just like standard practice. But probably when you look at the entire seller universe, it's actually a very small proportion of people that do it. You know, I... I when I think about it, I don't think I've received many myself. So it's little mm. touches like that, just making the customer realize that it's a real person selling this product. And if you can, you know, s- highlight to them that it's a person rather than a huge corporation, those little things there would make them far more inclined to want to purchase from you, give you a positive review, support you, recommend you, and so on. Sorry, that's a bit longer than 30 seconds, but yeah, the, the T and TST there was two minutes uh, yeah. instead of 30 <laughs> seconds. All right, uh, real, real quick, uh, back to Kevin. Your, um, what Helium 10 tool would you not be able to, to live without and why? Keyword tracker. I love keyword tracker. That one's probably like my, my go-to uh, ride or die tool right there. Um, keyword tracker is definitely what I use to just make sure the business is on point flowing the way it should be. I can tell what kind of changes I need to make. If I drop ranking on things or if I'm increasing ranking on things, I can make the appropriate decisions when I have keyword tracker. So that's my, that's my boy right there. Keyword tracker right there. All right, Jensen, what about you? What's your favorite Helium 10 tool strategy or, or just tool in general? I think the the favorite feature of mine is like the bestseller ranking chart that you get on the listing page. Mm-hmm. It gives you a really you know quick insight into price changes that competitors have done, sales history. Like I use it all the time, just when I'm being nosy as well on products that I want to buy, like having a look at how the price has changed. Um, but yeah, that's been instrumental in helping me do launch strategies and so on when understanding prices to charge. Excellent, excellent. All right, uh, Kevin. If people want to find you on the interwebs, uh, maybe reach out to you. How, how can they? How can they uh, contact you? Yeah. So the best way to get through to me is to my Instagram, which is Kevin Pacman. That's P A K. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty responsive on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok. My uh, my handles on that are all the same, Kevin Pacman. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm mainly at. All right, and you, uh, Jensen. Yeah, so just Jansen Smith on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. I've um, I'm hooked up to them all. So yeah, if you just type my name, it it, sh- it should come up. Excellent. Will I be seeing either or both of you at the Sell and Scale Summit in September in Vegas? Uh, very highly likely. I would absolutely love to go. It's um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll look into it. Very keen though. All right, everybody needs to come. Everybody needs to come to my Zumba class uh, on the first day so we can get our, our bodies right. Uh, we'll have uh, we'll have uh, Kevin do it shirtless since he's a bodybuilder, uh, he said. So um, 
So th- that that'll bring some more uh, some more crowd to our Zumba class right there. But anyways, guys, if you if you haven't heard of that, you want to get more information. You know, Gary V is going to be speaking there, and and a lot of you know great speakers, Kevin King, inside and outside of the Amazon world. We have Walmart is the the uh, the main sponsor. There will be Walmart representatives there. If you guys wanted to ask questions them directly, there'll be Amazon representatives there. It's going to be one of the biggest Amazon conferences or e-commerce conferences overall um, that has ever been made. So guys, go to h10.me forward slash S3 for more information, h10.me forward slash S3. If you want to go ahead and sign up, you can use uh, my coupon code to get $100 off is S3BS100, S3BS100. All right, Jansen, Kevin, uh, I hope to see you both in September there, and then we can all uh, hang out in person. And uh, if not, uh, I'll be, you know, je- definitely keeping in contact and, and wish you the best of success in your in your, in your future Amazon journeys. Thank you very Thanks much. For Thanks me. for having me. Appreciate it.